Welcome to the Leading Ladies Podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Fernandez, and I'm here to talk about all things leadership. I know being a woman leader feels more complicated than ever, so I'm bringing on expert guests and sharing advice from my own experiences so that you can level up every aspect of your life. No topic is off limits as we explore what it means to live with confidence in your purpose and calling. From what it means to be a bold woman in every sphere of influence to how to balance your work and personal life and everything in between. So whether you lead a church, a business, a team, or are the CEO of your own home, join us for authentic conversations, inspiring stories, and the tools and strategies that will equip you to become the leading lady of your own life. Well, welcome back to the show. Today, I'm with my really good friend, Teresa Babbitt, and we are going to talk about so many different things. It'll be fun, but I want to introduce her a little bit. First of all, she's an event producer, communicator, and she specializes in nonprofits. She's worked with youth and young adults and international missions team. She's currently the director of communications at an online university. And she and I actually met when she was the director of operations at Azusa Now, which was a huge 70,000-person event in the stadium in, um, what is it, L.A.? The Coliseum. The LA, yeah, LA Coliseum. I never know where it was, but it was a huge stadium event. So um, I'm super excited to chat with her. Welcome to the show, Teresa. Thank you. Um, I remember when we met for that event, I was like, what am I doing out here? <laughs> and you were like so gracious and welcomed me with open arms. But that was like such a crazy event now looking back. What what year did that take place? I don't remember. 2016. Okay. So I just remember I had just got back from YWAM. I was just praying a lot and felt like God kept t- showing me stadiums. Like anytime I was praying, I kept seeing like stadiums in my mind. And I'm like, this is kind of weird. Why do I keep seeing stadiums? And then I saw, um, an, uh, I think I saw online like an ad for Azusa Now. And if you don't know what Azusa Now is, it was basically a big prayer, revival, rally, right? I don't know. How, how would yeah, you describe it? I would it? say it's um, a prayer and worship gathering yeah. um, put on by The Call. And right. they had done several um, prayer and worship events over the last, you know, starting in 2000. And yeah. um, Azusa Now was a very, like, line in the sand event for the organization because they okay. added a healing and an evangelism component to it. It was so, so it was, cool. Yeah, it was just an um, an amazing event. Seventy thousand people in LA's Coliseum, I and mean, it was just, it was a crazy day. <laughs> it was a crazy day, and you took on the craziest part. I was I was talking to someone yesterday, and I was like, Sarah showed up, and it was pouring rain. It was in LA, rain. and she said, "What can I do?" And I was like, "Well, you can go to Home Depot and get a pump for this water, and I need some tampons." <laughs> And, yep, I just told all of you. Basically, yeah. Sarah did a very personal errand for me when she was a stranger. And well, and I'm also just really grateful. We it was also- it was wild. I mean, because you like mm-hmm. when I showed up there, I was like, I just feel like I'm supposed to help. And you were like, Great, can you do like this? And I feel like w- one of the things was the day before it was raining so hard, and I remember we had to go and get like I was at Target like putting towels. Like hundreds of towels, like beach towels, into a cart to just go and try and cover the equipment. And so yeah. it was just, it was, yeah, it was just wild. I'm curious, like, what did you learn about yourself in running that event? Because yeah. it was a challenging event mm-hmm. for me, and I have an events background, but you were like, you were like the mayor. You were like, you were running the entire thing. It was a huge team that helped too, but like, you were the center point of like the wheel. So what did you learn about just challenging yourself too? Yeah, I mean, Thankfully, the CEO of the call, Rachel Holden, had a lot more experience in large stadium gatherings than I did. So she was like, (laughs) she was the queen bee, if you will. But um, I think really 
what I learned was because um, I did a lot of managing of people yeah. <laughs> during that time. And I learned one big thing, one big takeaway was, you know, it's like Jesus is king, mm-hmm. but kindness is not far behind. Yeah. <laughs> and like, so it's like, yeah. it's like when you are in an environment where there's so much stress yeah, and it's supposed to be an event where people, and, and thankfully, like it was an event where so many people encountered yeah. God in a significant way. Mm-hmm. It's like, they'll, um, like seeing the back end of all of that and being involved in it. I really learned a lot about stress management, not just as an individual, but as a team. Yeah. And so um, thankfully, like Rachel really led um, led in, in a way where it was like, we're going to work really hard and we're going to have a lot of fun. Yeah. So we would take random breaks as a team and do something really ridiculous and really fun together at some of our most stressful times <laughs> and, like, and just kind of really... Um, really tried to remember like that every five second prayer counts. Like mm. if you're overwhelmed, take a minute, like oh, that's going to be good way better to like pause for a second, mm. like compose yourself than to create like a domino effect of, of, of stress of or, stress because yeah. you are overwhelmed. Right. So yeah. it was a really interesting opportunity <clears throat> to, um, to watch something come to life yeah. and to learn how to like, manage myself and manage a team through that. Literally at yeah. seven in the morning, I had been there since 4 a.m. Oh my gosh. We arrived at 4 a.m. and there were already thousands of people mm-hmm. at the gate. And um, our plan <laughs> to get people inside the stadium was completely demolished by the crowd. And it was I like- I remember, because I was on the doors. Yeah, you, you like Sarah picked the, the like the most stressful part of the day and was like, I've got this and like <laughs> stayed there all day. I don't think you saw a single part of the event. I didn't. I yeah. was I was at the doors all day. Yeah. And it was funny because like I talked to people, and I want to hear more about what you're yeah. saying, but I talked to people who were in the event and they like, actually my husband, Stefan was at the event. Like we didn't know each other then, but he was there with his family and some of his like family friends were there as well. And so they were all like, it was such an amazing event. And like, I'm like, I don't know. I was there to run the doors. Like, and like, that was, that was why God sent me to that event. But yeah, go back to, so the doors. Oh yeah. So these, these like the gates, right? So we have this, um, (laughs) this, I showed up at the gate that was supposed to be our volunteers, right? Right. So they're all waiting. But by the time I got there, there was so many people that, um, and we had, man, one of our staff members, love him. He was still running a forklift inside the stadium. So we couldn't let anybody in right. until that was done. Yeah. Then we had like some agreement with the with the Coliseum where we had to everyone had to have a paper ticket. So we had to figure out how to pass out paper, paper tickets and then let them get scanned. Anyway, so but by the time we were kind of getting ourselves together to let yeah. people in, the fire marshal had showed up and they were like, We're gonna shut you down because there's people in the streets. Like, but we weren't allowed to let people in, but there's, so it was like, we had this moment. It was stressful. Oh yeah. At like 5.30 in the morning where I've only slept an hour and a half the night before (laughs) and I'm sitting there and literally I'm at the volunteer gate. So people that I know who have signed up to volunteer, who are part of like churches and organizations near me are standing outside the gate. And I hear them going, going, Teresa, Teresa, I have to use the bathroom. (laughs) And I'm like, I can't do anything to help them. I can't help you. Yeah. Yeah. And out of nowhere, this person reaches their hand through the gate and grabs my arm and is like, Teresa, we're here for you. And I just burst into tears. Like it's like I'm supposed to be running this huge event. And I'm like, I don't know what to do right now. And I burst into tears and, um, 
And it was like, just like the care of that moment of someone being like, okay, I hear how stressed out people are and how like, and how, and I hear their complaints. I hear that, but I want you to know that we're here for you. And there was something in that moment that Mm. like broke me, but also like shifted something where it was like, all right, we could reset. We just changed our game plan to get people in as fast as we could. Got everyone, like, got the gates moving, got the fire marshal off our back. Yeah. And then it was like, all right, it's almost 7 a.m., and I'm going to restart my day. Yeah. That's what I'm going to do. I'm yeah. going to go to the bathroom, and I'm going to take 10 minutes, and I'm going to put on some makeup. And we're yeah. going to pretend like this is the new start of the day. <laughs> I just got here. Yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. so good. I actually think that's a really practical tip for anyone who's in a high-stress job or high-stakes event or, like, maybe you're an event planner or you're, you know— doing a big presentation or maybe you have to go and do a big pitch for your company. And it's like the sometimes just composing yourself. Like I remember when I spoke at the um, Colorado State Assembly and that was 8,000 people. Wow. And I slept like one hour the night before because I was not only going to be on stage presenting this campaign we were running, but I was also in the back in the green room, like headphones on producing the whole of the whole show. Oh, my goodness. So everything that was on a screen, every person on a stage. (laughs) And, you know, like those program line by lines, like they're like 655 this person, (laughs) 657 this person, you know, and they're to the wire. And I was like. You know, the night before I couldn't sleep, I was in a hotel. I was stressing to level 1000. You know, I was, and then I had to sit there backstage and, you know, Senator so and so is running late and I'm shuffling the board. And then it's like, okay, Sarah, now you've got to go change into like a whole professional, like, because I'm backstage in my jeans. I got to go change in a whole professional outfit, get on stage and talk to 8,000 people. And I'm trying to maintain, you know, my composure. And so I think like, I, that's such a good tip that I think if I had just gone to the bathroom and like, okay, let's reorient, let's reset. Because I think that's something I I learned too late. And I really feel like it would have helped me not just internalize the stress and just be like, uh, like living on adrenaline at mm-hmm. in certain high stakes parts of my career or like events I did. And, um, you know, one of the things that you're talking about is your team and the kindness. And I think that was one thing I actually learned at Azusa now mm-hmm. was – you know, I know you didn't ask me this question, but one thing I learned about myself was like, you can be doing something at a very high level and still maintain kindness and maintain grace with people. Because I had come from a culture, the political event culture is there's no grace. There's why the F didn't you get this door open? You know, that's the attitude. Unfortunately, sometimes even in the Christian (laughs) culture. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And so it was like, kind of like, you know, that I remember, I don't remember the guy I was working with on the door. I remember he had a ponytail, but Julian, yeah, he was so gracious with Mm. the stadium staff. Mm. And I was like, these people need to get these doors open. Like I was just, I was about to yell at somebody, you know? And he was just like, I know you're doing your best. Is there any way you can push a little harder for us? We really need to get, and he was just the way he was saying the same thing, the same level of urgency, but the way he was saying it was getting that that door guy on our team, mm-hmm. not bossing him around and saying, get this door open, you know? Right. And I'd come from a culture where it was bossy is get this door open or you're fired kind of thing, or I'm going to report you to somebody or da, 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 da. And I think that one thing I loved about your guys' team was that kindness did radiate down. And I do think, you know, as believers, like we are stewarding the culture that we're yeah. 
like you're trying to host a prayer and worship event and it, it was really stressful there for a couple hours. Oh, yeah. We had, you know, however many thousands of people out in the streets in L.A. There's not space for that. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that's a good point. So now you get back in, you've composed yourself. How does the day go for you after that? You know, um, a lot smoother than I expected, honestly. Yeah. Like yeah. we had a few like kind of stressful moments. And I honestly, for that event, I primarily was working on logistics, all of the backup house, which is like mm-hmm. volunteers, um, offering, yeah. anything that was happening that wasn't yeah. directly on the stage. And then other people on my team were, were over like stage that's management. Hard. Like that's a harder job sometimes, the back. They're back just end. very different. Right? Yeah. They're very different roles. And so I ended up like in a little... <clears throat> press box with my walkie talkie and utilizing a couple, um, a couple wonderful, wonderful friends who were running around for me. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it ended up being a really great smooth day. And, um, if you've ever worked with at an event like that, uh, they don't go how you plan and you kind of have to like, you just ride the the wave. You have the schedule, but (laughs) You know, it's more of like a suggestion than a guideline sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Almost every event I, I did um, with that organization, it was like you're going, things are going well, going well, going well. And then suddenly you realize you are almost out of time. You have to slam everything else into the last couple hours. Yeah. Um, but it still felt, it felt so smooth. And um, honestly, even years later now, mm-hmm. I run into people sometimes, and if if I find out they were at Azusa now, I'm yeah. just like, okay, can you tell me like, what, what your experience was like? Yeah, and I can't tell you how many times I've just been in tears listening mm. to people's experiences yeah. and just like struck by the kindness mm. of Jesus. Like, mm-hmm. um, yeah, and so it was really. I I think that those gathering times where we come together and we and we encounter God together, like like. It is so much work. It is so stressful, but so yeah. worth it, right? Well, and it's and like so. being able to facilitate that mm-hmm. is special in its own way. Right. I'm curious sure. about like just events in general. How did you kind of get into events? Uh, Azusa now. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, um, yeah, yeah. If you survive a 70,000 person stadium event, then it's like you could probably do any kind of event. <laughs> yeah. That's how, that's how I got into events. Okay. It was really, um, I was uh, a little intercessory missionary yeah. <laughs> at the International House of Prayer in Kansas yeah. City and moved back, moved out to California with The Call, which mm-hmm. is the organization that did Azusa now. And mm-hmm. was working with youth and young adults, leading missions like short-term missions trips and all that kind of stuff and doing discipleship schools and um, just basically got tapped. And and they were like, hey, we need a director of ops for this event. Uh, Okay. Don't worry. I know you think it's out of your wheelhouse, but I'll help you kind of thing. And I was like, okay, yeah, Yeah. sure. I mean, like, if that's what is needed right now, you know, like basically serve where you're asked. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. And, um, yeah, and then once you go through an experience like that, People mm-hmm. are suddenly like, oh, can you plan my wedding? Yeah. Or can you do my small conference? Or can you do my we have a team building? Or, yeah, yeah, corporate event. And it's like, uh, yeah, I think I can do it. Yeah. Like, you know? I, think, I think I can handle that. Because <laughs> a lot of the elements yeah. are the same. It's just when you have a stadium gathering, you've just scaled it up so high. Yeah. So, um, <clears throat> yeah. So that that's was, how I got into it. <laughs> okay. That makes sense. Yeah. It was a little bit of a trial by fire. <laughs> for sure. For sure. And it's been really fun. And yeah. I really... Um, COVID changed everything for yeah. sure. But for a, a long time, it was like I loved like coming alongside people and facilitating spaces where their dreams could come alive. Yeah. Like you have this vision or you want to have an event and nobody has an event like 
I mean, even if it's just a party, you're not just yeah. doing it flippantly. It's like there's a reason there's for it. There's an intention it, right? behind it. Yeah. It's yeah. like I want to have fun or I want to – or I'm I'm getting married or yeah. – a really need a team building activity for our, like because mm-hmm. our I want some relational equity built between our mm-hmm. colleagues like there is an actual like time and space yeah for each event and I think that's that part's really beautiful like you're taking right you're taking a moment in time and you're gonna kind of putting boundaries around it and you're saying okay this specific moment in time this is how we've come together and this is what either we're celebrating or what we are mm. what we are um, <clears throat> like. Yeah, noting a lot of times there there's opportunities for a, a line in the sand type moment for people and or a, yeah. a, or a God encounter and yeah, it's just yeah, so it's it's a special. So you started thing. though after like after all working these events, you started your own events business and then COVID hits. So talk about right. that pivot. <laughs> yeah, so I honestly. Um, yeah. After Zuzu Now, I started kind of doing ad hoc events for a bunch yeah. of different people. Yeah. And in the middle of that, the organization I had been working for, that was part, it was kind of a perfect storm. Like Zuzu Now happened. Yeah. Then the call moved to Colorado Springs. Yeah. And I was like, I'm a California girl. Yeah. All my family's here. I'm going to stay. And yeah. then I was like, well, who am I now? Yeah. Like, so I started this process of being like, okay, Jesus, like, yeah. this is my experience. This mm-hmm. is my skill set. This is the passions you've put in my heart. And these are the places that that I love and mm-hmm. kind of looking for the intersections of those things. And I began to, like, imagine, well, what would it be like to run a business mm-hmm. and to do, and to walk alongside people yeah. a lot of times through really stressful things? Like, yeah. weddings are beautiful and wonderful but stressful. Oh, yeah. And so, like, <laughs> I can't tell you how many times I sat yeah. with couples and I was like, I'm your event planner, but I'm kind of doing premarital counseling. I'm kind of your right therapist, now. too. <laughs> I'm kind of your therapist right now. <laughs> or so it just, and I just realized that was actually a yeah. very sacred role at times, mm-hmm. like to be able to walk that closely with someone in such a transitional season, right? Yeah. So that's, and that's like, that is more like particularly with weddings, but um, I just began to see like that I there could be a lot of influence and purpose mm-hmm. in that space. And was still kind of like, I don't know, do I want to do the full on like no, DBA, yeah. do the business thing? It's such a switch. Yeah. I was, I, you know, come from the missions background. Like, yeah. Nah, when I, I graduated, <laughs> yeah, when I graduated with a Bible degree, yeah. I was like, I'm going to, you know, start a business. What? Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yeah. What? You know, and so, um, but uh, yeah, I was kind of settling into it and was like, no, I see like that they're like, God could really use this. And yeah. it's not what I was thinking. Yeah. Um, but I, I feel like it, the same, the same reasons I would be working with the discipleship school could transfer and apply to a business. Yeah, you know, like, absolutely. The yeah. same like core values could be there. And um, yeah, had a bunch of events contracts and then uh, was working with, one organization had like three different contracts with them for different events wow. and operations mm-hmm. things. And then California changed all of their contracting laws and it became oh. like their their HR department was like, um, we've given you enough, like we have you, we're billing you enough hours that we have to offer you a full-time job oh. kind of thing. And they offered me a, the communications role that I have now. Yeah. And, um, and at first I was like, eh. I don't want to. Like, I'm yeah. like really. I'm a free like, bird. I have my own business now. <laughs> I'm a free bird. I finally built yeah. a website. Like, this is going to yeah. happen. Yeah, yeah. And um, I was like, I think I should take it. Yeah. And then a month later, COVID happened. Yeah. And the five event contracts I had were all canceled in wow. one week. And it was just like one of those moments it's where like I'm like, okay, God timing right there. Yeah, yeah. Okay, Jesus, you see me. Yeah. And I still do events from time to time. Um, and I still have the website. And, I still and maybe have my one business. day it'll be fully. Yeah. yeah and back I've up done and- <laughs> definitely like, um, 
run several online events yeah. now as a communications director. Yeah. But it, it's it's just like God's timing is really funny. It's yeah. really interesting. But I, I, you know, just looking back, I wish I would have told myself, uh, you asked this question later, like what would I tell my 18-year-old self? But yeah. if I look back on the 18-year-old self who was like, I'm going to be a fiery preacher person. And yeah. um, I think I would have, I think I would tell her like, hey, you know what? Um being faithful mm. to show up where you have favor is actually what produces impact. Ooh, I it's love not that. your position or your platform. Mm-hmm. And so I think like I think in a season, especially in the church and in culture, where we're kind of like like to steal someone else's phrase, like in a season where we're like post everything. Yeah. Like post Christian. Post modern. Post modern. Yeah. Post you know, post Facebook even almost. Yeah. Like, you know, <laughs> depending on what like what yeah. generation you are. It's like it's like in the season where we're kind of post everything, yeah. everything needs to be reimagined. And mm. even like our idea of what it is to follow Jesus and, you know, like, or be in ministry, quote unquote. And so that's interesting. Yeah. So when you were 18, did you think you were going to be like a platform preacher or like, what did you think you were going to do? Um, I don't know if I would have said I would be a platform preacher, but I was, I like, definitely... was that even a thing? There was like no, no social media. It like... wasn't a thing. Not the way it is now. Right? Yeah. Um, and like, and I got a really like pretty quickly was like, oh, I wouldn't want to do that. Yeah. But I think I think for me, I was more like, okay, I really feel called to the church and feel called to disciple people. And like I thought teaching vocational would be a part ministry. Of that. Kinda... Yeah, more vocational ministry. Yeah. Right? And like the then I entered like the parachurch world. Yeah. And the longer I was in that, the more I realized like, mm. oh, like the church is so rapidly changing. Yeah. That if you really want like if your desire is to really love people and to be in and, and um, to have influence and impact, the church might not be the place you actually want to be. And that's really interesting you, know? you say that because I think a lot of young people right now, and then I'm kind of talking to like if you're under 25, like the church landscape looks completely different because of social media, because yeah. of the way technology has changed. Mm-hmm. Um, you can actually make a career – out of being a preacher now, like in the U.S. Now, this it's isn't so in weird, every country, right? but if you can, you know, get speaking gigs and book deals and sell courses and you can have a very nice income and, and it does com- complicate how people's callings are kind of being assessed because it's like, well, God, are you, if you're calling me to ministry, does that mean I have to have an Instagram with 20, you know, million people right. following at me? Or does it mean that I'm called to be an accountant? Or does it mean that it's actually kind of all of it? It's like, right. you can be called to be a pastor, teach from, you know, a stage every Sunday, or you can be called to parachurch like you were, mm-hmm. or you can be called into being a journalist. Like it, like the church is everywhere. And I think COVID yeah. kind of challenged some of those structures of like, the church is this building, mm-hmm. like, it's it's not it's the church is the people of God mm-hmm. equipped and out in, in every sphere of influence in my opinion for sure I agree with you so I mean I'm curious like yeah. you're obviously have leadership all like a gift of leadership on your life like I know this about you as your friend but have you always thought of yourself as a leader like when you're that 18 year old do you think I'm a leader or when did you kind of realize or do you think you're a leader yeah I know those are great questions um, can I make one more comment yeah yeah and then go there yeah. So I think one thing that was interesting to me about having spent a like a season doing stadium events, yeah, is I got to this point, and I think one hundred percent 
I would not change a thing. Mm-hmm. Like I think stadium gatherings are really impactful. Mm-hmm. And they, I know so many people who either gave their life to Jesus at a Billy Graham crusade or, or yeah. at like, um, had an encounter, with at God. an encounter or at a passion conference or at yeah. whatever, you know, and had an encounter with God at a call event. Mm-hmm. But I think I began asking myself the question of like, what does it mean to move from a stadium mm. to a kitchen table? Yeah. And like having those real yeah. conversations with people. Yeah. And I think just as you were talking about, um, like that the church is everywhere. Yeah. It's like, it is everywhere. And yeah. why do we limit God to one space or another? Yeah. Right. And so. Why does it have to be these mega gatherings versus your neighbor in your, at your kitchen table? Right. And who like, and, and your neighbor at your kitchen table, that person might not come into your stadium gathering. Yeah. But they might come into your home. Right. Well, so I've yeah. been really challenged by that lately. Anyway. Just. No, I think that's, I mean, I do want to go down that road a little bit because I do think that there's this level of like, impact that you can have like you look at Jesus's impact it's the 12 the 12 changed the world yeah it, he did impact the crowds but those crowds weren't doing life with him they weren't eating breaking bread hiking through these long walks he had to go on between cities like they weren't sleeping on the mat next to like they the people who were closest to him were the ones that were so profoundly changed and went on to plant the church and to really export Christianity mm-hmm. around the world and it's still here now millennia later. So it's like I do think about the exponential impact that small discipleship, like one-to-one disciples. Right. I mean, like 12 people can change the world. Like if you're discipling like three people, like what can that do? And I, and yeah. I think you and I are both like we, we love a, you know, we love a conference. We love a <laughs> – love an event. Like I'm a seven. I'm like, yes, party. Like there's people on a stage, like a neogram seven, you know, like, yeah. Like, but sometimes I do wonder if these are just massive pep rallies for Christians. Sometimes, you know, and sometimes Christians need some pep rallies. Like we, I need need encouragement. Yeah. Yeah, Like I, I need to be with people who love the Lord, but Mm -hmm. I do think there is a level of like, as we're thinking about the future, like what does it look like to do both? Well, like, how do we do these gatherings really well? But also, like, how do we equip people so it doesn't just stay mm-hmm. at this, like, mountaintop experience at a rally and then they For go sure. home into their neighborhoods, into their offices, into their schools, and it's mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. okay, but now what do I do? Yeah, I've heard it talked a lot about – I've heard it put this way. Like, David – like, King David went in and out of the house of God and mm-hmm. to the battlefield. Mm-hmm. Like, he went yeah. back and forth. His life was yeah. both, like, seasons of being in the house yeah. and in the presence and out. I love and, that. like, I think it's, like, there is um, something to be said for, uh, like, even just acknowledging that, that that is a rhythm of life mm-hmm. that we don't all know how to do well, yeah. but we need to learn how yeah. to do it, right? Right, because, like, you're in, an, you're in a context working for a nonprofit right now. Yeah. But, like, you've also been – you're a ministry girl at heart. Like, you've been heavily in ministry. So you, right. you're, you've been in and out of both fields. Mm-hmm. Okay, so back to the leadership question. Okay, yeah, here we go. Okay, so what do you <laughs> – what, what is your answer, I guess? You know, I – sometimes I feel like a leader. Yeah. <laughs> sometimes I'm like – I don't know. I don't know. I have one person on my little communications team right now. Is that leading? I don't know if that's leading anyone. Yeah. But um, I think what I've learned and people have told me, I'm, I'm a firstborn too. So some yeah. of this might be like. And you're order. an Enneagram and, one. And I'm an Enneagram one. Yeah. So like there are some things that kind of lead to like, oh, she's got like leadership like tendencies. You yeah. Know? And so yeah. Like, but I think we all make choices, right? And yeah. I've always, I have always felt like. I think it's it's interesting, I think particularly having a ministry background, being a female in ministry. Yeah. And having like 
um, some uh, some leadership tendencies, right? Mm-hmm. Having a bent toward that, yeah. But also knowing like, um, so it's like for me, I am really like I can take charge when I need to, but I'm happy to follow, right? When I yeah. when I'm like around a good leader that I respect, I'm like I will walk off a cliff with you. That's fine. Yeah. Like it's not like <laughs> blind sheep, right? And so, but at the same time, I think um, there's very few leaders though, and I think this is a point before you go on. There's just an important important point here, man. Mm-hmm. I can't. That's like a tongue oh, twister. That was important good. point um, is that like most leaders are being led by someone and are leading other. There's not, mm-hmm. there's not, unless you're the president and even him, he has a cabinet and For he has reason, the right? American people <laughs> that control his job, you know? So the majority of people aren't f- like, I don't know any leaders really, even if you're a corporate CEO, you have a board of directors, you have shareholders. Like most people are being led or under some sort of authority or leadership and leading other people at the same time. Mm-hmm. But anyways, back yeah, to and yours. they should be. Yeah. If they're not, like... Because I think this is a common misconception women have is, like, I'm not a leader because I don't have a big team or Mm. I, you know, but you have had a big team. Like, Zeus now was a huge team. True. Like, so, I mean, like, I think, though, we're so careful to use the word leader because we think it means, like, you have to be a billionaire or a politician or, like... Mm. Or a top dog, Or a top dog of some kind. Yeah. Well, and I think think we have to step back and define leadership. Yeah. Right? Sometimes, like, and what I found a lot of time as if, like a female in the church world or in ministry is a lot of my leading actually is leading by influence, Mm. leading by being yeah, like more than it is leading by being like very high on the org chart. Yeah. And so I've realized that more and more is there's been times when like I realize like, oh, I'm leading, but I'm leading because I'm being influential. Mm. Um, Maybe it's because I have the ear of the person who's, on the top of the org chart and they're asking me my opinion about stuff. And technically that is a type of, of you're influencing or or leading. Yeah. Right. And I, and realizing too that in a, in a, in any organization you're in or workplace or business or family, like you, there's something to be said for being the leaven inside the dough, Mm. being the little thing Mm, that influences culture. Yeah. And, it may feel really insignificant, but like you can take a posture of leadership. And I would say for me, that's a posture of humility. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Of like, I'm gonna come into the situation curious, yeah. asking questions. Yeah. Um, being like uh, a cheerleader of those that yeah. are around me and and encouraging them. And yeah. like in a sense, like through, like encouraging isn't always just you're the best. It's like sometimes hey, correcting, <laughs> sometimes right. And so like, and my type one self can it's like you're like I have some corrections to hand out for here. But no. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's more like it's more like okay, I have a question. It's yeah. more like I have to lean into curiosity. Or if you guys know much about the enneagram, ones yeah. can be like like dubbed as judgmental. But I have to. Like for me, I'm like. I try my best to be humble and lean into curiosity and be like, can I ask you a few questions rather than just like, here's my unsolicited advice for you. Yeah. (laughs) But I think like what you're talking about, I want people to hear this is it's like a gentler approach to leadership and it is wielding influence. And I've been doing a Bible study of Queen Esther and you really look at how she used her influence. It was very strategic. Mm. The first thing she did was pray and fast when she found out like, the bad news about the Jewish people being annihilated, right? Right. So she hits her, yeah, just a small, you know, like if you think you're having a bad day at work, you know, but so then like 
the thing is that the queen before her had been thrown out for even approaching, you know, the king or the king asked the, the queen before her come and come to my party. And she's like, I'm not coming. And he's like, you're not queen anymore. Right. So he had total authority, total control, total like dominance. And if you know, like the movie, the 300 was actually based on like this battle between King Xerxes, who's the, her husband and uh, Leonidas, the leader mm -hmm. of like the Spartan army. And I so know. there's, yeah. So like Xerxes though, his empire was like vast. It's, it went all the way out to India. So it was like a huge empire. So she's like having to approach this man who's her husband. She's much younger than him. And he has total authority. And if you approached a king without being invited, you could risk death just in being in the room with him. And then it's like you add to the fact that it, he hadn't been with her or asked to see her in 30 days. So what? who knows what term she's on with him. Right. So it's like there are so many – like if you go and read the story of Esther, it's like there's so many strategic moves where how she walks out that plan. And I'll probably do a podcast on this because I think it's do so it. – it gives so much wisdom for like how to like do what you're saying of leveraging influence, mm. not so, – because sometimes you can't come in with a command presence. Like you can't come in like a commander to an army as a woman in certain environments. You just can't. So that's how do you use like what you're talking about, like asking the right questions, like encouraging, like cheering for people, but also then no, like having them in your corner enough to say, hey, I need to point out this issue or or with the leaders you're serving saying when they ask your opinion, having something to say, having right. having thought through like, actually, I do have a solution for this thing you're trying to do or like mm -hmm. I do think you should see it this way or this way, you know. So I think that's a really good point about like how do you – leadership doesn't always have to be – uh, direct. It right. can be indirect. Yeah. And I think women in a way can leverage that indirect approach almost more powerfully than men can because it's like we've had to have figured we've had to navigate. Exactly. Right? And yeah. that leads me to my next question for you, which is I'm curious, like, okay, so you you know, you and I have talked about our single lady life, you know. Yeah, for sure. And like you're you're still single. I mean you are dating yeah, and, great. and definitely want to, you know, be getting yeah. married. But what has it been like spending most of your adult career as a single woman in the church who's in leadership positions? Because I don't think we talk about this enough. Yeah, it's been, um, there have been definitely <sighs> challenges, right? Like, it's <laughs> like, um, <laughs> yeah, I think, it, I think I wasn't trying to get that answer out of you, but I feel no, it's like fine. It's, it's very it's, honest. It's definitely challenging because I think on one hand, and I don't know if this is personality type or if it's what it is. For me, I worked with a really, really, really phenomenal um, woman in ministry when I was a young adult. And she, but she was an author. She is an author. She's amazing. And, but she didn't, she couldn't find a place in the church. So she mm. had to kind of forge her own path. Yeah. Right. So she was an author, an entrepreneur, like had her own everything because like most of the, most of the churches she was associated with would not let her preach. From they the would stage. let her give a talk yeah. or a testimony. But but she her her story was incredible and she was called to preach. Like she was called mm. to teach. She was called to preach. And so she, you know But, but a lot I, of I realized, she can preach from the platform. Right. And but she so she kind of would she did her own thing and she but I, I realized like she had to rub shoulders mm -hmm. and fight like go against the grain so much. Mm -hmm. And I just had this moment as a young adult where I was like, you know what? I want to be fully myself. And yeah. I want to be fully, I want to fully embrace 
like I can be kind of a tomboy, but I want to fully embrace my womanness and my feminine yeah. side. Yeah. And I don't want to have to rub shoulders with men and fight for my voice at a table. Yeah. And I think and in some sense, that was good for me internally, but I yeah. also kind of made a little bit of a vow where there's <laughs> been many times where I've been in places where I'm like, I'm not going to yell right now. I'm not going to like fight. Like, and there's some, like, there's some team dynamics where yeah. if everyone's a bulldog, yeah. you're going to have to be a bulldog. And like, yeah. so I'm like, I don't want to be a bulldog to get my voice heard right now. So yeah. I, I look back and, and so sometimes I'm like, man, I have a little bit of regret. I wish I had like jumped into the ring a little bit more yeah. in some situations. But I guess to more answer your question, it's a, it's a learning curve, right? Yeah. Because we are in a very unique position as women in leadership yeah. in the church in particular. Yeah. But as a single woman yeah, it's a whole in other leadership, layer. I think there have been times when I have struggled to be taken seriously. Yeah. Um, what do you mean by that? Meaning like, not that people like that have been around me or I've worked with didn't love me. Yeah. Like they loved me. They saw, they saw who I was, but I felt like sometimes my opportunities were limited because I wasn't married. Mm-hmm. And like, so, like if somebody was married, they were more legitimate because they could do things as a couple or the, mm-hmm. the man would kind of be more the leader and the woman was there. And, yeah. and as a single woman, it was cool. You can do these things or you could be our administrator because that's yeah. the box that we know what, how to put single women in. Oh my gosh, like, that's so true. And I don't think it's intentional. Ooh, I think it's like, I, now that you said it, I'm like, oh, everybody does get put in the administrator box. I don't yeah. like that. Right. And for me, I'm like, just because I graduated college and can govern my own life doesn't mean I need to make all of your copies. Yeah. And so like, <laughs> so like I had this like thing inside of me that was like, oh, and I, re- and I realized like actually the gift of administration is not viewed high enough mm. because there are some people that are so gifted at it and it has nothing to do with making Yeah, copies. but it doesn't mean that just because no. you're a single woman, you have that gift. Exactly. You should be shoved into that role. <laughs> For sure. For like, sure. Or, yeah. or like, yeah. You know how long it takes me to like schedule people? Someone, I, that's not my gift. Like, Right. Right. And I, I think, yeah, so I think that's been one big challenge is realizing like, okay, I'm a whole person even as a single person. Mm. Like, and if I, when I get married or when someone gets married, it's not that they're suddenly whole. Yeah. It's that the the ideal, right, is two old people coming together. Yeah. But I think there are times when what I mean by struggling, being struggled to be taken seriously, it's like, okay, well, you know, you know, when she, when she gets married, I know she wants to be married. She wants to have kids. Like she'll kind of graduate to her actual calling, right? Yeah. Rather than like, like you have a junior calling until. Oh yeah. And, and nobody says it out loud. No, but it's so. so they say it in ways. It's like. <laughs> they say it in other ways. Like. Yeah. Well, and like, so how old are you now? I'm 37. Oh, so when did you start feeling this way? Cause I think oh. I felt it around like 25. I feel like I started to feel like the weird vibes a little bit. Maybe. Yeah. Probably mid, mid to upper twenties. And yeah. it just kind of, and I realized like. And I don't, I, I've been, I don't know if this is really true. You guys are watching a video, but I've been told I look a little younger than I am. I don't know if that's still the case, but I think for a while, it's just, it's more just like, they just assume because I'm single, I'm also still like either almost 30 or like lower 30. So it's like, I think they just kind of assume Mm -hmm. that I have less life experience or less maturity Yeah, and it might be in my head. No, it's not. It's not. But yeah, I think, I think I probably started feeling it. Yeah. Mid to upper 20s. And, you so know. how did you navigate that? Like how have you continued to navigate that when you've been in all these leadership roles? Yeah, I think I think just reminding myself that I've been invited to the table. Mm. Like whatever role that I've, – I've had to tell myself sometimes where it's like – and I think learning how to lead by influence has been a big way that yeah. I've navigated that. Yeah. Um, because I think sometimes – 
when you're put in certain boxes, mm-hmm. you feel a little trapped, right? Or yeah, it's like, like this or it's isn't like, me, or this isn't me, or or I have limitations in some way, or or I think oh, I think I was telling that story about how I, I wouldn't wasn't the bulldog at the table because I realized I was afraid to ask, like oh. afraid to ask for more, to ask for more leadership, or to ask for okay. like a different kind of role. I think because sometimes in the Christian space, it's like. Well, serve where you're asked to serve. Yeah. Like, this is what it is. Like, God put me anywhere, which is, yes, God put me anywhere you want to put me. But I think he really loves our design. Yeah. And he takes us and he puts us, like, I mean, unless he, like, he has purpose sometimes to put us somewhere where it's not, like, really in our wheelhouse or yeah. design because he wants, he's growing something in us. Yeah. But in a sense, like, I I think, like, leaning into, like, oh, Lord, you lead differently yeah. than we do. and. Um, Sometimes you have to be willing to put your hand up and say, put me in. Exactly. Put me in, coach. And it's like, it sometimes can be a little intimidating when you're not not used to that or you don't feel like you have the unspoken, like, leverage to do that. Right. Or I feel like, you know, if somebody wanted you to, like, let's say, like, let's go real women in ministry thing. Like, let's talk about preaching, teaching, right? I think in my mind, I was like, well, if they wanted me to do that, they would ask me. Yeah. like 10 other men around me would just be like, hey, I want to turn. Yeah. I want to do it. And they're like, <laughs> you know, yeah. I'd be like, wow, bold. Like, yeah. I couldn't ask. I know. Like, you'd have to. Anyway, does yeah. that make sense? And I feel like that's. But that's now as one. you've gotten older, you're like, I'm more willing to say, hey, I'd love to preach or hey, you know. Yeah. Or, I mean, that's just one example. Like, yeah. I mean, that has nothing to do with like my role now, but more like, I feel, I think what's happened to me personally is I've gotten more comfortable in my skin. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, all right, like, I do have some operational administrative giftings and I'm more comfortable in that in my skin now yeah. and I'm not going to be offended if people keep giving me those roles. Yeah. Right? And I, I have like, thankfully, like I've had a couple in the last couple years, um, had, um, two boss supervisors who like had, um, one in particular who had his daughters around my age and just really called me out and was like, Hey, I'm going to meet with you like once a month and we're going to talk about any leadership thing you want to talk about. Wow. That is so cool. So sweet. Just like chose to mentor you. Yes. And wow. most, and like, I feel like for men in the church in particular, it's like this weird taboo thing. We don't know how to raise up women mm. and there, but there aren't, there are more women now, mm-hmm. but they're not, there's still not enough women to really mentor and raise up women yeah. in the way they, they need to. And I think I understand why it's difficult, right? Like, yeah. Like, it's way easier to surround yourself with young men because you're yeah. not going to be asked a bunch of questions. Yeah. You're not going to have to worry about any indiscre- discrepancies. You're not going to have to worry about yeah. anything like that, right? But I think, like, I've been so grateful for wow. for a, a, a leader who was brave enough. A godly man who was like, I want to mentor you. Yeah. And I'm not worried about how that looks or whatever. Like, yeah, and not everything above reproach, right? Yeah. Like, it's not like... There was not like it, but just the fact that he was, he was like, coming yep. from a fatherly place. Exactly. Like I have daughters your age. Like, yes. Yeah. yeah. And he didn't even have to say it. I just realized I was like, oh yeah, you have daughters my age. Yeah. And there must be something that reminds you of your daughters. And I was just so, I've just been so grateful. That's such an interesting so thing too, like for any men who are listening to the podcast to try to figure out like, how do you share your skills and leadership? Because it's true that there has been a historical sort of normalcy of, you know, the Christian men's breakfast at 6 a.m. where all the right. men get together who are business owners and chit chat about business. And mm-hmm. the, you know, the like, I'm not going to throw any one organization, but all these parachurch organizations where all of the male leaders go on hi- hiking trips or hunting trips or like these things where the top leadership do that because they're all men. And it's like, 
I think all those men are godly men. They love the Lord. Most of them have a really great perspective on women. But to your point, they just don't know how to they don't know how to take what's been sewn into them and then like share it with women. They know how to do it with young men, but they, yeah. and there's so much of like the Billy Graham rule and all these things. Exactly. That I was going to bring stress, that up. <laughs> stress. And yes. all like, then on the other side, culturally, like the whole me too thing, I think freaked a ton of Christian men out of like, I don't want to and be accused should, of something right? like, like, you know? So it's, yeah. I think though, like there has to be a marriage in the church, especially where it's like, we are like, God sees equality in all people and he like sees dignity in all people and he wants to equip. So it's like, I think there needs to be solid boundaries, but I don't think men can't mentor women. In fact, right. some of the men that have mentored, I mean, most of my mentors have been men. Yeah. Like amazing. because they're the ones that are in leadership, you know, there's been a few women in leadership, but I don't, I mean, I haven't had a ton that mm-hmm. have been in my sphere right. and they're mostly fatherly, like spiritual father type mentors, like whether I'm reading their books or I'm, know them up close or they're a pastor at a church, like, you know, but, um, I think most people do well with a mother father dynamic, whether it's a church house or, you know, family home or whatever, like, and so I think as we do need like men and women's voices, but I think my vision is to see that problem be solved of women not having other women to mentor them. Because when you get into these leadership roles, you do kind of look around and you're like, okay, I'm here. Yep. Thanks, mom and grandma, for opening the doors to get me here. But now, like, what do I do? Right. You know? Yeah. How do I, how do how I, I navigate some of these really tricky waters? Exactly that. Nobody has a roadmap for, or right. the people do have the roadmap, but they just haven't dispersed it, it to the rest of us. Yeah. And so, I, just, I do think that the men's hunting trips are valid and good. Yeah. Oh, like, yeah. And the women's teas are great. Yeah. Like, but it's like, but it's like, they're, ha- they're yeah, there should be some little convergence gap, so. a little yeah. bit. Yeah. So, I'm curious, like, who are some female leaders you admire? I know you mentioned this mentor you had early in your Mm -hmm. career, but, like, are there other female leaders that you admire? Yeah, it's I – when you sent me that question yesterday, I was like, ooh, who? And I had this moment where I was like – I just don't think I thought about it in a while. Yeah. um, Yeah, no, there's been a a couple – I wrote them down. um, But I think, like, this is going to sound like a cop-out answer, but one one thing – that I've really admired is, I don't know, I mean, I'm sure you've noticed, like, we are making a podcast, right? Yeah. I feel like there's been this generation of creative voices, mm. um, like women learning how to find their voice. Yeah. And it's coming out in podcasts and vlogs and yeah. in blogs and in yeah. Facebook groups for moms. And it's all these women who yeah. have leadership on their lives, but maybe weren't given a space or a platform to, mm-hmm. to exercise their leadership, or they don't even know that they weren't given permission to do that and they just made something happen. Yeah, yeah. And like I was like, man, I admire like this generation of female women. Mm. Female women. <laughs> women are females. <laughs> this generation of well, um, that, women that could be leaders. <laughs> A controversial topic at this point, but that's for another that's podcast. That's not what this podcast yeah. is about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but like, but um, a generation of of just women yeah. leaders who have just been like, I don't need permission. I'm just gonna make the thing. Like, mm. and I think that's actually one thing I admire about you is you're just like, mm. man, I'm gonna <laughs> forge my trail. I'm gonna make it, and I'm gonna make this podcast, and I'm gonna um, do what's on my heart to do. And, um, that's just a beautiful thing. I hadn't thought about that. Like that there is a whole new generation of like mom bloggers and like leaders online because, and, and I hadn't thought about the relationship between those typical institutions that maybe you would want to rise in leadership. And then like you've met with some resistance. So it's kind of like 
not like you're going rogue, but you're kind of just like, let me just go into another open door. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I think, I think for some people it's been a very intentional, like I'm going this way because the roadblock is over here. Yeah. I think for others, it's just like, they're like, Hey, I'm a mom and I'm on Facebook and I need friends. Yeah. And then all of a sudden they're like, I have this huge Facebook. I have a hundred thousand friends. Yeah. Like how did that happen? Like, yeah. you know, and it's a very unique space and organic to na- yeah, yeah. To navigate. Um, but yeah, there's been a couple, um, just women in my life who have been amazing. And, uh, I think, um, yeah, I had a mentor in middle school and high school. Her name's Andy Bruce. Mm-hmm. Andrea Bruce, if you're listening to this, you probably aren't. But if you ever do, yeah, um, she influenced me so much just by being herself and by wow. being unashamedly herself and um, really walked alongside of me in a season where I, I just needed a big sister. Mm. And just even watching her life from afar now, we've like connect every once in a while. But um, she's always unashamedly been herself. I love and that. Been a leader in her in her sphere in her context, kind of wherever she goes, and um, and I've just been very impacted by that. Like mm. her, just her confidence. And oh just... yeah, she is who she is, who she is, no matter where she is. And I love that too because that like it's like sh- that's somebody you had a up close and like discipleship relationship with, mm-hmm. right? This isn't somebody you yeah. follow online. Like this, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. Like back then, there was no. Right. Like I have a couple other people like that on my, yeah. on my little list, but I feel like I think when I think about who's been the most influential to me, mm-hmm. it's like it's probably. And I think that should encourage people to think about like, man, the impact you can make, even if you're a stay-at-home mom and you don't have a social media account, mm-hmm. and you're like, I just talked to this girl who's my neighbor's daughter, and you know, you never know the impact you're having. Right. For or sure. Maybe you're just a volunteer youth leader, and you just you don't know. Exactly. I love yeah. that. And it wasn't even like. You know, it, we didn't meet every Tuesday at 3 p.m. It was yeah. like very sporadic. It's like organic, meet, yeah. Yeah, you know. And yeah. I think just having that consistent person or presence in a really specific season was so important. I love that. Mm-hmm. So what's like one leadership rule you live by or even what's a challenge or mindset you've had to overcome? It's something we haven't talked about yet. Mm. Yeah, I think <clears> – <throat> A recent challenge I'm still working through yeah. <laughs> is how to navigate peers with prestige. I know it sounds kind of like a weird statement. What? Okay, so explain what you mean. Yeah, I have I have some peers right now. I'm like I've never worked in academia, and like I'm a <laughs> communications director for an <laughs> online university. Yeah, and um, I have some peers that are brilliant. Yeah, they are off the charts brilliant. Yeah, and I think like there are times. When there is like, you know, I mean, the humble road is the way to go, right? But it's like I think I've had a lot of moments recently where I'm like, okay, how do I honor and and give someone the honor and respect they're due? Yeah, and still navigate the fact that I'm going to have to challenge some of their brilliant opinions of their brilliant mind. <laughs> so like, <laughs> like yeah. because I have a lane and they have a lane. Yeah, and and I understand my lane and they understand their lane. And we're trying to figure out how our lanes come together. And maybe sometimes they don't. It's just like, I think that, yeah. I, know, I know this is sounding a little bit vague, but I think there is, when you begin working with high-level people that you respect. No, I think this is a good And especially point. have decades of life on you, which yeah. some of these people do. And I'm like, okay, I'm a woman still single yeah. in my 30s. Yeah. And you are pushing 70 and you are brilliant and you have a lot of life experience. 
but there's something to be said for having different perspectives. Yeah. Right? Or like, like you had different, you, different roles and different roles, like your expertise. expertise. Yeah. 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 Now, obviously they're, expertise has more years behind it than yeah. my expertise, but it's just kind of navigating that. Yeah. Like, how do I, it's just a little bit tricky waters to navigate. Well, especially in our ever changing world where like, and I know there are super savvy 70 year olds who are like on all the, the tech and all the things, yeah. but there's, I mean, the stereotype, right. Is like the boomers and older, they don't understand maybe like some of these new tech waters right. or new ways of communicating or mm-hmm. marketing. And, and it's like, and it, that's not disparaging their brilliance in other arenas, but it isn't like their specialty in the same way. I am not brilliant when it comes to driving a forklift. Like you do not want me <laughs> to go on a forklift. I know, but I'm just saying like, I do not have an expertise in that. Right, yeah. So I'm not going to like come into like the forklift driver and be like, you know what? You are definitely pressing the wrong button here. Like, right, right. or I think you should press those buttons. Right. I'm going to be like, I don't, I have no idea. Like, that was awesome. You know, um, if anyone's listening and can give Sarah a free forklift <laughs> lesson, that would be awesome. I probably know someone like my brother. My brother could. Is he, does he have a farm or something? No, they're moving movers so they have oh, okay, the forklift <laughs> yeah but I'm just saying like I think this is the thing like it, it that is a good point like I think a lot of people face that especially if you're in a job where you're working multi-generational or you're yes. having to like lead in your arena but then somebody else wants to f- give feedback into your arena or you yeah. need to give feedback into theirs and it's like yeah how do you respect that right and I kind of go inward a little bit of like okay what's my part what do I own and yeah what do I, I mean sh- I mean I'll take feedback, like I'll take feedback, but I just having to realize like, okay, Teresa, actually like this is your area of responsibility. This is your lane and mm-hmm. you have to have confidence that even if you're making a mistake, it's still your lane to make a mistake in. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, and as a one, that's probably very challenging for it's you because you, you want to do everything perfectly. And if someone could tell you the perfect plan, then what if your plan is not perfect enough? Oh yeah. And I think too, like, it's not even like, <clears throat> it's funny because I... I have this weird thing where it's like, it's like, yeah, at first I was like, no, I'm not a perfectionist. And then I realized how many things I don't do because <laughs> I'm a little bit like, well, that's if not going to be very well. I, I, I wouldn't necessarily use the word perfect, but it's like, well, someone else could do it better. Yeah. Right. Or like there's certain <laughs> things that I haven't done because I'm like, oh, people are already doing that. I don't need to do that. Yeah. You know, like, but it's, um, yeah, exactly. But I'm I definitely I, receive feedback and my, my own worst critic and. I think we all, those are the like limiting beliefs that a lot of us have of like, I shouldn't. And I think that's something I've struggled with is there's so many women in this arena already. Why would I start a podcast? Like, or there's so many people in this type of job or at this organization or who've written a book or whatever it is. Like, why would I do that? But I do think it's one of those things we say to sort of protect ourselves from putting our little necks out there and risking you know Definitely. and it's like because then if you can tell yourself well it's overcrowded so I would just be adding more noise you don't have to take the risk you For know sure. and I think that's something that I've really been challenged with um we're coming up on our time here but I'm curious like so we've talked about a lot of things but <laughs> this is kind of a fluffy question this is like a get oh, to know you question, question. Love the fluffy question. if you could distri- describe like your dream day like no rules no responsibilities no limitations what are you doing? Oh, my goodness. Oh, gosh. The hard thing is, like, I have a split personality a little bit on the inside. 
And so part of me is like, I would be backpacking in the mountains without my cell phone so yeah. that I could actually like take a break. Yeah. From like fully unplug. Fully unplug. And then the other part of me is like, no, I'd be at like a beach resort, like, <laughs> you know, like chilling, getting, getting a massage, you know? Yeah, and so, yeah. um, but dream day, no rules, no responsibilities, no limitations. The truth is that day would be very spontaneous. Yes. It like would not have been planned out. Okay. <laughs> this is coming from a director of operations, super planned out person, right? Right, right. So if it's like a, like, I might have something I'd want to do, but. It's like your alter is. ego would just be like. Yeah. Take the day as it comes. I love that. Take it as it comes. Well, I loved our conversation. Thank you for everything you've shared. Yeah. We'll probably have you back to talk about more things. Um, I love that. How can people find you if they want to stay connected with you and see what you're up to? Yeah, you can find me on Instagram. Okay. It's my name. Okay. At Teresa underscore Babbitt. Okay. Two B's, two T's. Like rabbit. Yep. And I just made my account private, so you'll have to request to follow me. Sorry. Uh. But Or maybe I'll make it public again. I don't know. I went through a moment where I was like, I think I need some space. <laughs> <laughs> these weirdos on the internet. No, I've I've almost always had a private account and it's been very hard thinking about having a public account because I'm like so like mm-hmm. I don't want anybody like bothering me and I don't want all these bots and like, oh, you yeah. know. Well, but, what's weird is I feel like since I made my account private, I've gotten more weird random follow requests oh, really? than I ever did before. And I think it's because someone can't see your profile. So like, well, I have to try to follow you to so see- you find out how many people have been viewing your profile that are kind of like randoms. Random. Where you're just like, <laughs> it is so interesting. Anyway, that could be a whole other podcast okay. too. Cybersecurity. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but our audience is likely women who just want to see what you're up to. Yeah. And go ahead. Okay. Shoot me a follow request. <laughs> okay. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate you doing this with me. It was a lot of fun. So fun. And um, we're gonna have to do it again soon. Yes. Thank you, Sarah. So, so grateful for your time and for being here. It's been an honor. Thanks, friend. I hope you liked that episode. And if you did, please share it with your friends, family, coworkers, neighbors, really anyone. You never know who may need the encouragement. Also, if you would rate, review, and subscribe, that goes a long way to helping this leadership community grow and reach more women. To learn more about me or to find out about my coaching programs, please check out my website, IamSarahFernandez.com. And remember, I'm Sarah with no H. Until next time.